It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 263, entitled AAAAAAAAAAAAA Hosting.com. It was recorded on Monday, the 31st of July, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined today by Remka Sturice, by Derek Ashower, and by Paul Halfpenny. We're talking about WordPress as we usually do. First up, Gutenberg 16.3 has added some new ways of interacting with patterns. What do we make of those and how are the people using them with their clients? There have been improvements in terms of performance to the cache API and also a breakdown of how translations get handled and the performance impact of that. WordPress contributors have been demanding transparency about the hosting page. We talked about it last week, but we go a little bit deeper this week. There's a new handbook for WordCamp organizers and how it is that you might organize the speaker lineup to make it as diverse and inclusive as possible. Classic Press has decided that they're going to have to fork WooCommerce. What do we think of Classic Press? Learn how to use the WordPress playground. What's it for? How does it work? How could you use it? And also typography. We talk a little bit about a podcast I did this week and how typography is a lot more than you might think. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go dot me forward slash WP builds. Hello, 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 hello. Now they all know why I'm saying that. So hello. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. I really appreciate it. Um, we're on episode number two. My eyesight. Oh, honestly, that's probably like font size 12 on my screen and I'm really struggling to see it. Episode number 263, I think that says, of This Week in WordPress. Very nice to have you with us. You can see on the screen, I am joined by three fine people. The first one, let's go Let's go over there. It's Paul, it's Paul Halfpenny. Yeah. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, very well, thank you. Paul is the uh, CEO of Filter, which is an agency based in the UK. Um, he will be joining us along. Well, actually, let me do my proper intros. I think that's probably the right thing to do. Uh, Paul Halfpenny is, as I've just said, the CTO at Filter, which is a remote first WordPress digital agency. Okay, I've added that a little bit. And also by down there, Remkus Devries. How are you, Remkus? Remkus gets the award. I don't know if Remkus is on mute, but I can't hear him. Can you guys no, hear Remkus there? Hear Oh, no, I can't hear Remkus no. at all. But we could hear Remkus like 30 seconds ago. Remkus, do the refresh thing and let's drag you back in, um, see if we can get you back in. I'll come back to you in a minute, Remkus. Uh, I'm also joined by Derek Ashower. He's over in the corner down there. How are you doing, Derek? You all right? Can you hear me? I'm, yeah, doing great. Thanks so much. Yeah, great. Uh, uh, Derek is a uh, client site maker at a sh well, it's ash ashwebstudio.com. I hope I've parsed that correctly. Have I got that right? Ashwebstudio.com. Um, and he's a plugin developer and he makes things over at Sunshine Photo Cart. 
and he makes other things at wpsunshine.com, which I've got to say is a pretty darn cool URL. Nice to have you with us. Thank you for joining Thanks us. So and finally, Remkus, let's see if Tempu? we can get... Have we got his audio? Have we got Remkus's audio? I don't know. Do you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what you know. you. Yeah. How are you doing? You all right? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, a few technical gremlins today. Never mind. Rem <laughs> I wrote half of this uh, introduction to Remkus, and Remkus wrote the other half. See which bit you think I wrote. Remkus is a tall man from the place of the Vikings. He lifts heavy things and throws them over high things, often. He also knows a thing or two about WordPress performance. Check out his new project called Watchfully over at watchfully.com. I wonder which bits I wrote. Go on, Remkus, spill the beans. What's watchfully.com? Uh, you just have to check it out. Okay. You don't want to do any like little promo there. You just want to... Oh, sure, sure. But it's... um. It, it, it's, um, it's a service I'm building together with Buddy. And um, it's essentially, um, like the title kind of says, it's something that watches over your WordPress site and, and, and focuses on health, on performance, and uh, core vitals, and all of that, and uh, gives you nice reports and lets you know where you are. Very nice. And brand new, yeah? You're starting from scratch. Yep. yep. Watchfully. Dot com. I will keep a watch out on that URL in the future. The jokes are not going to get better. Bail out now if you've got any common sense. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. That's really, really nice of you. If you're watching this and you would like to comment, that's great. We would really love that. There's just a few little caveats. If you are over at our main page, where most people seem to watch it these days, because we've been doing it long enough and I keep saying this URL over and over again, everybody seems to go here wpbuilds.com forward slash live. If you do go there, you've got to have some kind of Google account or at least a YouTube account because the comments require you to be logged in there, the comments that we've embedded. However, if you are in our Facebook group, then there's a little poop you have to jump over in order to make it work. And that's to go to this URL, wave.video forward slash lives forward slash Facebook, and that enables you to be de-anonymized. It's been a while since we've had any comments in from there. Everybody seems to go to the, the YouTube channel link, so that works well. And we've got some live comments coming in. Thank you. Please do share the link, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. Drag your friends, relations, cats, dogs, enemies in, and uh, let's see what they have to say. Courtney's joining us. As is tradition, a lot of people... Derek, for reasons unknown, now give us some kind of briefing on what the weather's like where they live when the show starts. So, uh, Courtney's saying it's uh, it's there is humidity. Uh, the humidity is finally down in Gettysburg, USA. That's great. Rob Cairns is joining us. How are you doing, Rob? Nice to have you with us. Elliot Sowersby, just down the coast from me in good old North Yorkshire, is joining us. Peter Ingersoll actually started this whole thing about the weather off. So here we go. Good morning. He gives us the full Monty. Good morning from Connecticut. After a hot and humid week and stormy weekend, we're having beautiful weather. It's currently 19 degrees centigrade under sunny skies with low humidity. Excellent detail. And then he said it again for some reason. So I've put it up twice. Cameron Jones is coming to us from a very wet Brighton. Max says hi. Thank you for joining us, Max. There's a new face here. 
Itamar. I hope I've pronounced that right. Itamar, very nice for you to join us. Really enjoying having new members. And Darren Rich as well is saying good morning. Keep those comments coming if you want to drop something in. If you've got a question, if one of us says something stupid, you know, put a comment in, uh, especially if it's about me. Because I reckon a lot of the topics today, I am in way over my head. Uh, so, so we'll just see how we go. So let's put the screen on. First of all, a little bit of self-promotion. This is our website, wpbuilds.com. If you fancy keeping up with what we do, just fill in that little box there. Put your email address in. Click subscribe. And we'll send you two emails a week when we produce new content. That's typically this show, which comes out tomorrow. Takes me all of, you know, a few hours to edit it after we Click stop on recording, and we'll also send you it on Thursday when we do the podcast episode. You'll notice lurking at the the bottom, there's this horrible banner. Uh, you just hate it when websites put like a ridiculous banner that takes up like a fifth of the page. I, it's disgusting. And yet there it is on my own website. Uh, and it's promoting the Page Builder Summit, which I run with Anshin LaRue. Uh, Page Builder Summit's coming around. It's coming back again later this year. We're doing it towards the end of September. And we're actually looking for some sponsors at the moment. So if you know of any company or dog or enemy or cat or anything who has some money to blow on a WordPress event, we'd really appreciate that. You can get in touch on this page. It's pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsors. And the very final thing, I'm just promoting something I'm doing at the minute. It's a webinar series with a lovely chap called um, Patrick Rosner. Patrick has a plugin called Simply Static, which enables you to flatten your WordPress website to speed it up, if you like, amongst a whole bunch of other reasons. But uh, he's explaining how that whole plugin works. First week, we did just a brief explanation, the 101 of collapsing your website to flat HTML. Then last week, we did how to embed forms on your website and this week we're going to be covering how to do search we'll be doing that on wednesday uh, at 3 p.m uk time same url as you are now in fact if you basically don't leave this page for the next 48 hours just stay right here loads of coffee you'll get it without even click one button i'd say that's worth it but you made look you're all nodding this <laughs> is giving it giving it the way beyond Maybe not. Come back in 48 hours and join us. Right. Okay. Let's get on to the WordPressy bits and pieces for this week. Uh, just to let you know, Derek, cross-talking is totally fine. Interrupting is totally fine. Typically what happens uh, is that I just sort of introduce the topic and then there is deadly silence. Tumbleweed comes across my screen. Um, and then eventually somebody plucks up the courage to say something and then we go and then we're off and everything's fine. But Fear not. I like how you're always so positive. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I don't know what's up to me this week. Uh, okay, so here you we go. This so, week? You mean this, this year? Week? This, this, this decade? This decade, yeah. Okay, Sarah Gooding. Uh, Gutenberg 16.3 adds new tools for patterns. This is just to say that, yeah, there has been uh, a new release of Gutenberg, which includes several new tools to make uh, pattern management a whole lot easier. Realistically, there's not a lot to say here. It is just some UI changes. It's added a sticky header bar on the patterns page. What they're trying to do really is just consistently get the UI a little bit more consistent, a little bit more more fine-tuned so that you can hand it over uh, to your clients. And hopefully the, the, well, the experience won't be 
so much of a, a miasma, you know, each time you go back, hopefully it will settle down over the days, weeks, and months to come. I don't know if any of you push Gutenberg-based websites to your clients. If you do, yep. I guess stuff like this can be a little bit infuriating because we have <laughs> a change, but hopefully it's a change for the better. So I'm going to throw it at you, Paul, in fact. You get the tumbleweed moment. Um, Thanks, mate. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Yeah, that's fine. You've already broken the ice. You've said thanks, mate. <laughs> oh, no, uh, <laughs> it's fine. You're off. Um, you do? Is it easy? Yeah. Does this stuff infuriate you? Or do you just think, actually, this is great? Improvements no, I think, it, I think it's great in the long term, isn't it? We need improvements. And I think anything that wrinkles out inconsistencies in the UI is, is I get big thumbs up from me. Um, I guess the, um, the thing that becomes a little frustrating is, you know, as an agency, we we might develop some videos or some content or some help content to help our clients to use WordPress. And then you have to go back and redo them all every single time because the UI has changed. Right. But I think that, you know, give it, give it 12 months. Maybe we'll be in a place where we're not changing everything all the time. And I think patterns deserve some love. You know, patterns are great. You know, we, when we're building clients, a uh, website, it's all about which blocks we're using, which custom blocks we're using, which patterns we're building, which templates we're building. And actually, it's a big part of the build process for us. So I like to see it get some attention. I love patterns. Honestly, mm. that's, that's basically the only way that I now create new content mm. is to drop into a post and then yeah. pick something that I previously did. It's very rare that I start off with a blank page and start writing. Um, yeah, and it's but, you know, when you're building client websites and you're handing over to them, it's so much easier to build a pattern and then go, go and put this pattern on the page. So for instance, we might uh, create a, a careers website, for instance, and we'll build a pattern that might be a bunch of blocks on that page, which is make sure you've got the job description here and make sure you've got, you know, your salary here and you've got your responsibilities here. And building that all up in the pattern means they can just create pages much more easily by dragging that pattern onto the page. Um, nice. So we use it a lot. Yeah, great. Nice. Um, so over to Derek or Remkus, if you've got any thoughts on that. I mean, yeah, the better, the more that they're doing, the better it gets, then it's a win for everyone. Um, and maybe in five years from now, I'll start using it for clients as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of on, on that train. Position established. It's us versus him now, right? Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I know. I know a lot of people are getting into it and enjoy it. Um, you know, uh, uh, and, and it's always everyone's background and where they come from. I'm a developer person who hates doing client support. I hate it. Don't like doing it. So I am of the ACF model where I just want clients to type in letter by letter what they want, and my template does everything for it. So um, I, I'd rather. I'd rather handle that for the client than then break a hundred things and do something wrong, put in yellow highlighter text because I've seen it far too many times. Um, and so that's great. But I've also started to, because of Gutenberg and all these other things, um, start using some of those things more, um, more in page builders just because I don't feel ready to give it all to clients yet. Um, but, uh, but see the advantages, uh, of things like that. Um, because again, I, uh, it just gives them more power to do things, but uh, but in the end, I I still find clients destroy things faster than they help <laughs> yeah. themselves. So uh, that that's that's my experience yeah. and my level of client that I deal with. Uh, There's opportunity like there. That. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's extra work. You have clients breaking stuff. Hey, 
is me coming to fix stuff and this is the bill. I think I'm going to put a course together on YouTube. It's going to be called How to Break My Website and Annoy My Developer. Uh, A 10-part series. Every episode's just going to be the same. I think there's Uh, some benefit in using patterns, though, in that way, in that actually you can lock stuff down so they can't break stuff. You know, you get into the point with using theme.json that you can lock down attributes and and things like that. So you you only give them access Mm -hmm. to the things you want them to. And if you drag, if you get them to use a pattern to do something, actually you've got mm-hmm. more control in in some ways. Like I get where you're coming from, totally. You Can know? you explain yeah, that workflow a- first, though? So you would you you're creating patterns. Yeah. Um, and then in theme.json, you're locking bits down so the client can see it and then maybe they can alter this bit of text as Derek's described, but perhaps not. Perhaps they can only alter yeah. the, I don't know, the, the P, not the H1 or something like that. Um, it, it's more around the theming and the styling right. of those individual attributes are part of the pattern. So, you know, you're only going to use these colors. We're not going to let you use a, an H1 right. where it should be a, a, some paragraph text. Um, yeah. It's, but, you know, you need to dive a bit deeper into understanding theme.json to get to that point. So you, you're building sites from a different way up uh, and you yeah. have to start at that level and build up that way. Uh, yeah. And my experience, you know, it like can work. I, yeah. But it's a lot of yeah, work absolutely. to get to that point. And I think it would be a great tool for that forty, fifty thousand dollar, you know, client. Yeah. When I'm doing sites for that, you know, landscaper or things like that, yeah. it, for me, in my experience, it doesn't make any sense to spend the extra several hours to develop and put a CSS into theme.json, or I just have it in a CSS file and just bust it out, get it done, and move on with my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the amount of times they're going to change and do something is is not that is not. Yeah worthwhile to put the extra effort to get it into the modern theming system. It is kind of interesting. I do wonder if the the two of you, Paul, your audience, if you like, your client base, I suspect might be different because I think you you work yeah, with yeah. enterprise level clients, don't yeah, you? Exactly. So, yeah, maybe there's time to do that kind of thing. Uh, and but also think- teams that can't afford to mess things up. Yeah, but I think there's some middle ground, right? So there the, the could be a benefit of having like super admin controls that allow you to do that theming that, that takes, rather than having to do it at theme.json, you, you can do it in the editor and you can go and set mm-hmm. up those presets and choose what's available and what's not. Yeah, maybe right? there's no somebody that already offers that as a plugin, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's changing so fast. I mean, it's, it's wonderful that it's changing. Finally, it feels like you know, it's been around for so long and it's starting to... F- finally feel like it's actually moving in a, it's progressing rapidly, which is great. Uh, but that's also a challenge for small person, you know, individual companies like myself, who are just a one man team who was like, how do I have hundreds of websites and clients? How do I, you know, reinvent my entire process overnight to start doing this stuff? It's yeah. like a long time to reinvent that. And then all of a sudden, then you have, is this a, you know, 2019 client, 2020 client, 21? And it just, it's, it's, it's a challenge for smaller companies like myself yeah. to adapt to the newer stuff. Um, and honestly, it's one reason why I'm not, I'm not unhappy to be slowly facing out my client work and why it says WP Sunshine on there and not Ashwood Studio as my primary he- tagline there, because I wanted to move to, to focusing on plugins. Um, and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. And the pace of change. Yeah, the pace of change in the block editor. If you're building sites three years ago, you're building sites very differently now. So if you built a site mm-hmm. in 2020, you know, and that's your 2020 client, like you say, your 2021 yeah. client, you develop it slightly differently as you would 2022. 
and then you yeah. go back and you find like the UI is broken and, and things like that. So. I'd say there's already a difference between because uh, I built quite a few sites on the full site editor already. I think about uh, 20, 20 plus. There's quite a few that I built at the end of last year, which I'm looking to update. Yeah, here and there, not not huge stuff, but there is definitely stuff that's changed too much for my liking. And yet I'm still happy that I switched when I switched. Right. It's mm -hmm. just, it, it just becomes better and better. The only thing that was really a pain in the ass was uh, menus, which is being solved in 6.3. Still not good, still not nice to work with, but at least it's accessible now. And there's, you can, you can actually get to it and explain it to a client. But other than that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I switched very happy. So this move in, in, you know, making the experience smoother. I'm, 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 I'm a big fan. And that means my documentation is out of date, which, which it is. <laughs> That's fine. Derek, if you are moving, which I know you are into making plugins, can I recommend, <laughs> I don't know why nobody, why has nobody done like a navigation block? That's like really good. Uh, <laughs> just kind of, cause I agree with Remkus, the navigation piece is until now has been difficult shall we say, inside the yeah. block editor. I think they're making a lot of improvements, but it does strike me as great third-party developer terrain. Um, if somebody could come up with that and all of the different whiz-bang things that you can do with it in the customizer uh, with your chosen theme at the moment, that would be great. There is absolutely some opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, over to you. We'll come back. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you run along now, and yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We'll, we'll see you in uh, in December. And, uh, That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my video series that I've just been scribbling the notes down on it's called "How to Annoy Your Developers," and episode one is how to request unneeded color changes and. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's going to be my first episode. How to write an incendiary email. I'm on a roll. Uh, this morning. Okay, let's move on. That was that was cool. That was interesting. Nice little conversation there. The next couple of pieces, I was mentioning at the beginning, uh, somewhat stupidly, that the there's a few bits and pieces that are outside of my pay grade. I'm hoping that one of you will step in, but a few of these are, are around caching, and they're also around translations and the effect that they have on performance. So let me just raise those onto the screen. First one is here. That sounds on... good, Nathan. Oh, has it? Has my sound oh, no, gone again? <laughs> Sorry, it's my sound. Oh, so mine's still working, is it? Ish. It does my sound sound. Does my does my sound sound terrible? No, sorry. Yeah, but it was it was no my, worse than my headphones. Uh, okay, let's put the screen back up. Oh, it was, it was your headphones. You didn't It was my headphones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, uh, the reason we were saying that though, is just before we started my, my audio, so it was phasing in and out. So it was quite possible that my audio would just go the way of the dodo. So here we are. This is the first one by Johnny Harris, improvements to the cache API in WordPress 6.3. Now, honestly, on an audio podcast, it, this is going to be literally impossible to explain and into it. Uh, accepting that if if performance and caching are something that you are interested in, there is a very detailed article here, which might be of interest to you. And then moving on to another piece, which was by Pascal Birchler. Uh, this was all about the performance analysis, and in particular, the the way that translation files can slow down your WordPress website. I got to say, in Not my can, time, they will say again. 
that can, they absolutely will. Yeah. So this was quite surprising. I was just going to go on to say that during my time building WordPress websites, I mainly operated in the UK and very often it was people fairly local to me. And so translations really was not much of a thing. So this is why I'm saying I'm really ignorant of this. I never really had to do it. My only real experience of doing anything like this was installing a plugin and just sort of playing with it to see how that would work for the purposes of recording a podcast. But yeah, as Remkus says, uh, there's been some work done recently to try and gain some metrics on how much it slows down your website the way that WordPress handles internationalization and translation. And the bottom line is basically, as Remkus just said, it does. It slows it down a lot. So this this piece is trying to figure out, well, what can we do about that? And again, it's incredibly technical. This, this truly is a hugely long piece. Um, they're proposing four or five. It might be five. I think Six. there were A through E solutions all involving yeah. different ways of either ignoring things or rewriting the way that things are done or adapting the way that that things are done. But I guess this really is all about the fact that, A, you've got to be mindful of this. If you're translating your WordPress website, there is there, there will be problems, but also the fact that it is being looked at and hopefully in the future this would be something. And I know Remkus in the past has enjoyed talking all about performance. So, yeah, two pieces there, the caching piece and the translation piece. I don't know if you want to get into that, Remkus. I'd like to say something about the translation because um, if you if you consider that from the moment you install a translation of a site, so you, you select a different language and then uh, WordPress automatically imports those, all of those files... Um, in some way have to be loaded to present whatever page you're looking at, whether that's dashboard or front end, have to load the translation. So the loading of that is an extra versus not having to load it. So by default, it is slower. Now, depending on how bad you create your translation. So for instance, if you could have one translation file for a plugin, that's quite extensive uh, in the, both the dashboard and the front end, and you have it load on the front end, the entire translation file, including the text strings on the dashboard side of things, you know, that if, if you start thinking in that sort of direction, then it can quickly become quite, quite a bit of overhead. Um, and this is known for, for, for a very long time. So, uh, the larger plugins and the larger solutions already uh, handle this the way it should be handled. Uh, but yeah, it's still slow. It's still slower. Um, and depending on. You know, if you, uh, if you have a site that, that attracts four or five million page views a month, that's quite a bit of difference in terms of what performance you're leaving behind versus, you know, a small site that maybe gets a couple of thousands, uh, visits a month. So th there is obviously the larger a site gets, the more of an issue this is in, in terms of raw performance. So what, uh, what Pascal and the, uh, the team have done is they looked at six solutions where their conclusion is that the revamping of the translations parser. So the actual parsing of the translation is probably where the biggest improvement is going to be found, uh, combined with the new PHP translation file format. So that's the, yeah, it's, it's, it's essentially a combination. So they have tested all the variables, different ways of doing things and just looking at what, what does it mean in terms of performance gain? Um, but I'm, I'm really excited that this is something that's, um, finally being tackled. Um, is this, is this in preparation? Are they laying the groundworks here, uh, Remkus, do you think for, 
phase four. Yeah, a little bit. Um, in which case, they're just getting ahead of the game because obviously if they try to do everything in phase four and they haven't laid the groundworks in terms of figuring I, out... I, I, I think so. Yeah. So okay. it, this is a known issue for a very, very long time for, for anyone doing this. Um, but the... And doing this, meaning having uh, uh, delivered translated sites in a performance environment where you're aware of what, uh, what's going on. But the, the, um, it, it makes a lot of sense to have an optimized version of your core app, which is then WordPress. Uh, before you start, uh, for those who don't know, Gutenberg phase four is meant to bring uh, yeah. um, translations and, and everything that comes with that in a much, um, yeah, native to WordPress uh, environment. So currently you can only do it uh, with, uh, there's a, wider range of plugins that will make your site a multilingual one. Um, and you just want to have that in a smoother way because every single version out there currently is broken or comes with quite a bit of technical, uh, setup and, and, and things of that nature. So, um, this is probably, I mean, this, I, I see this as the first step behind the scenes, working up towards having a great environment where this actually start making sense from all directions. Um, let's maybe ask Paul, I'm. Being an agency, larger agency in the UK, do you, do you have to deal with this kind of stuff or are you mainly working with UK-based clients with one language requirement? No, frequently more with, with multilingual uh, and we've tried you know, various multilingual plugins. To be honest, we're, we're waiting to see what Gutenberg brings with Phase 4 with, um, with Beta Breath, really, because we, we don't seem to have found anything that's, that's, that's brilliant. So I'm really interested in seeing where it's going. Um, and performance, you know, it's it's always important, you know, being generic, but like it's really important. But it it's probably above my pay grade. This one, I don't yeah. understand it enough. They'd listed out six options. It took me probably twenty minutes to to understand what all the options were. Um, oh, that's pretty good though. I got I got through the title in twenty minutes. So uh, <laughs> you were doing well there. <laughs> but I, I was surprised. I kept on going to another option. I was like, "Oh no, there's another option." Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, like, there's another option. Yeah, I, I honestly thought it would be like a couple, but then when yeah. do you know what's Two really interesting in that? Let, let's just put that page up, right? Because it is. It's really indicative of the amount of work that sometimes gets put into this. So here's the page. Here's Pascal's yeah. work. Bearing in mind, this is just a troubleshooting exercise. They're just trying to figure out if there's a problem. Yes, we've identified that. What can we do to fix the problem? And you, you, you look at this and you think, Pascal, mate, you have really committed quite a lot of effort. You know, there's links everywhere. There are, there, there's pros and cons. He's pre presenting all sorts of different options. And then he lays out the design considerations, the benefits, the caveats and the risks, the effort and the timeline that would be required. And he breaks that out in each of the different options right through to F. And then he summarizes the whole thing. And I've just scrolled through it all. And there's more tables and everything, loads, and then quite a lot of commentary. But I guess what I'm taking from that is, A, it was, it was difficult for me to understand, but I persevered with it and I got to where I got to. But B, it was just the level of detail that was put into it and the fact that somebody yeah. somewhere awesome is addressing post. this issue. It's amazing. It's an really absolutely amazing. awesome post. Do you, do you know? It, yeah, do you know Pascal uh, Remkes? Yeah. yeah, yeah, very well. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just thought that was amazing. Occasionally on the Make WordPress site, you do come, you do come against these articles where you just think, boy, 
that is almost like a dis- mini dissertation that somebody's done there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well done, Pascal. Thank you. Um, Derek, anything to add to that? Or are you more like me who usually built English websites? That oh, I'm, I'm the classic Dell American who doesn't, only deals with English stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but as in my plugins, you know, my half my customers for my Sunshine Photo Card are international. So um, it is good to see that that kind of stuff is getting handled. Um, it's more of a core WordPress thing, not specific to my plugin in general, but it's good that We'll see the better that uh, things help international customers, international for me, uh, uh, the better it is for more likely people will use WordPress. And then the more people that are using WordPress, the better for me as a plugin developer. So anything that helps more people get into WordPress, the better. Do you offer a translation inside the admin then for the the user interface for the settings and so on? Um, No, I just do, you know, uh, community translations and it's just part of the, you know, regular translation files. Right, right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you. Sorry, I just had one thing on this and it was just, Mm -hmm. I actually came to this via the post uh, that Altis did recently where they've written, I think, Remkus will know better than I would. They've written their own parser, but they've written it in Rust, um, which is a really speedy performant language. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, that's discussed in Pascal's post as one of the options, but it's then not relevant. And I just, I just thought there's something slightly interesting where you, you see different solutions come in for these things. Um, so if, if but, you have full control over server environment, mm, um, which, which uh, the folks at human made obviously do, it makes a lot of sense to look at, uh, are there speedier ways of doing things? So, uh, we're using Rust as well, right? So it, if it makes sense to do something in Rust, uh, I think the, the, the last great example of when it makes sense to use Rust instead of just using whatever PHP offers or, or WordPress for that matter was a, a huge search and replace on an 18 year old, uh, uh, 12 posts a day since 18 oh, years no. old. Uh, so that's 60 gig of database. Um, probably, uh, probably a little bit higher even. Um, that was a huge search and replace. So Rust made that fast. Mm. Okay. Right. Use it. The, um, I, I'm just going to segue slightly because obviously we now know that my video series episode one is about how to request meaningless color changes, but we now have episode two, courtesy of, uh, Rob Cairns. Thank you, Rob. Episode two is going to be entitled how not to pay your bills. Uh, if anybody's got any suggestions to episode three, I'd be most grateful. Honestly, what am I like? Uh, okay. That's brilliant. Let's move it on slightly. Yeah, we did would, talk about this. Oh, go yeah, on. I just want to quickly re, um, mention the, the, the cache API uh, improvement. Okay, let's go back to that. Um, sure. It's just a short one, but what it essentially means that as a developer, you have way more control over what is being cached and what is not being cached, how it's being cached for how long it's being cached. So um, the option that there is more to cache is also there now. So uh, it's a it's a it's a very um, welcome change in just getting the whole a- cache API more complete and more flexible, essentially. That's the, probably the TLDR. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you've summarized that beautifully. Can I just point out that from now on, if I put yellow lines on articles, can we just all assume I've read it? Because, uh, you know, that's that, that'll be great. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd, I do believe that some people have uh, what's known as Xantophobia, which is a fear of yellow. 
Really? Yes. Well, like I mean, any I yellow I'm, anywhere? It's just any, just a fear of yellow. Crazy. How do you, how like, do you, you, you cope with like bananas and I, I don't know. What about the sun? Just what I'm told. Like, cast of the color scheme. Yeah, this podcast. <laughs> Honestly, there are many days. There There's a load of people days, crying in the corner. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're watching the screen, but they're crying. Um, that is, I love stuff like this. Um, so, fear of the the color yellow. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I bet there's fear of almost every color. Um, yeah, like I don't. You're wearing. Yeah, I don't really like I white. I'm <laughs> just afraid of white. I'm struggling to look at Paul. In all honesty, there's so much white. There's a lot of white. There's there. not enough. Xanthophobia. That's so interesting. Okay, right. Okay, let's move on. We've segued enough. So the next one, we did actually cover this last week, but I know that Remkus has a, a background in in hosting and performance, and so I wanted to retouch on this article because we we just really did it ever so briefly. Um, so you'll see the date is a little bit stale. It's the 21st of July. It's Sarah Gooding. Um, and this is a pretty hot topic, I think, at the moment. I don't know whether it's going to sort of die down in the days and weeks to come, but this was the the dropping of SiteGround from the um, the WordPress recommended hosting page. I think it's called recommended hosting. In fact, if you go to WordPress.org, uh, I think there's a that you really within a minute, within like two clicks, I think you can be at this page. You know, it's it's really easy to. In fact. I seem to remember doing a um, doing a search on Google, and if you just type in, it'd be great if one of you three could confirm. If you just type in WordPress hosting, and then click return, I think the first result that you get to is the page in question, um, and you can imagine just how many people type that in every single day. So the the story is uh, we don't really know how. Uh, sites get onto this page, but at the moment yeah. there are a couple of sites. I believe it's Bluehost and yeah. what is the other one? Dreamhost, isn't it? Uh, is it Dreamhost? That sounds right. Yeah, Dreamhost and Bluehost. If you've got that wrong, you can check for yourself. And anyway, the, the point okay. is there were three. SiteGround got removed. We're not entirely sure what the process for that is, but um, it got removed. And so now the question is: Okay, if such an important page that can drive life-changing or business-changing amounts of traffic, if there isn't, a, if there isn't a, a, a system, a community system for getting uh, what companies put onto that page and we don't really know what's going on, the, the idea is, well, wouldn't it be nice? Should we have some sort of guideline for deciding who goes onto that? And one of the recommendations that came in further down in the post that w was that we, we use, so it says in here, the post status hosting channel, um, Namecheap co-founder, whose name is Matt Russell, I don't know Matt, but he was mentioned here, suggests that Mullenweg, who's in charge, Matt Mullenweg is in charge of who gets onto that page, use the WP hosting benchmarks performance data, which kind of brings me to this website, and I can almost sense uh, Remkus's uh, temperature rising. Uh, <laughs> um whether or not this this could be a decent metric, it doesn't have to be this metric. But the point is, wouldn't it be nice if, given that WordPress is a community endeavor, if that very, very important page um, were not to be behind some sort of secretive system that we don't really have any insight into, maybe something like this, which is an endeavor to, to rate WordPress host 
on all sorts of criteria. Um, yeah, so I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. A, is oh, this all a bit longer. murky? And B, does this represent a decent way of doing it? So, Remkus, I'm going to, um, just before you, you know, explode, I'll, uh, I'll let you come in first. <laughs> so much to unpack here. <laughs> um, so first off, the, any changes that has happened to the WordPress recommended hosting page has over the years, and I've been aware of that particular page since the first, first day it's been there. Um, I don't know exactly how long it is, but that's in the 16, 17, 18 years range, I guess. Uh, but whenever there was a change on that page, it has caused some kind of ruckus because the, the process of who gets on that page and for how long and what are the, what are the things that are interchanged in, in, you know, having a party be on that page is absolutely shrouded in a lot of mist. Um, this has always been at the purview of Mr. Mullenweg. Um, attempts to get some insights into that have been never met. So it is our guess as to what actually happens. Um, my educated guess would be a party uh, comes into a sponsor settlement agreement of, of any kind and uh, pays the foundation uh, an ungodly amount of money and gets to be on that page. Because if you are on that page, the amount of traffic that you get and the conversion leading from that is worth more than millions. So um, I don't think we're ever going to get the, I'm going to say this as politically correct as I feel comfortable with. I don't think we're ever going to get the full answer from the WordPress Foundation, which is represented by Matt Mullenweg. I don't think we're ever going to get there. So that's, that's where I start. Then the second part is uh, we have a way of measuring good hosting. Yes, we have. There are multiple ways you can actually test hosting. Um, whether it's performant, whether it's flexible, whether it has options, all of those things could are, you know, are metrics in of them of themselves. So you can measure those. Um, and what, uh, uh, what essentially is being said here is, um, you know, by, uh, by Javier, uh, who is the, the hosting team rep, um, there are systems that we can use. So why don't we use it? Um, and I think a large problem that arises with using metrics like this, first off, I think we should use them. Um, make no mistake, I think we have to be uh, aware of what your hosting actually does and not what the caching of a hosting does, for instance. That's a big difference. Hmm. Um, but the, the, the moment you start using those metrics, some hosts, which are very well-known hosts, like big names, like the biggest names, are most definitely not the best hosting. Like, they really are not. Um, that, is, that is a big discrepancy between what is being presented on that page and what is actually uh, factual. Um, so when, when, the, when Project Batrog is about, you know, let's, let's show data and let's have the data be the driving metric, you end up with a situation where uh, there's going to be a big change if that was the primary data being used. So uh, in, in a nutshell, this is a can, uh, a can of worms, a hornet's nest, or whatever you want to call it. But it's never going to be solved unless the, 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 the foundation behind it um, decides to be fully open and transparent about it. I will just raise my 
a uh, little Google search. So there we go. I'm in an incognito window. I, I did this last week and, you know, it didn't really go anywhere, but I just put in WordPress hosting. So I've, you can see I'm not signed in, so I'm not getting any kind of personalized results or anything. And there it is. So page number one, or sorry, result number one gets us to that page. And there we have these these two hosts. And we we decided last week that this text here about being listed on the page, which illustrates some things that you shouldn't do. Um, for example, you know, you need to have an easy to install WordPress system. You need to be taking care of upgrades. You need to be avoiding GPL violations. But then it also says that the listing on this page is uh, completely arbitrary. Um, yeah, I guess it must be, it must be one of those things that, well, hopefully would be resolved. And if Rimka says this project bedrock, which was actually linked to uh, in the article, the idea of having some sort of pre project here. The WordPress hosting team has been working on this thing called Project Project Bedrock that aims to create a directory in which any hosting company that meets a certain predefined set of requirements can appear as a recommended hosting or a compatible hosting with WordPress CMS. Uh, that's, let's that's see what comes base, of that. That's, that's still only the base layer, right? So what yep. you actually want to know is um, so Kevin Ohashi is who's from um, WP Hosting Benchmark. He does a, a yearly, uh, like proper, uh, scientifically approached benchmark. Is that the and page that, we're looking at now? Uh, I, possibly. WPHostingBenchmarks.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what this does is it actually measures. It measures database throughput. It measures uh, raw PHP performance. It measures a whole bunch of stuff like, uh, you know, uptime. Yeah, I think you want to know about uptime. Um, all these things that are related to performance or good health or whatever you want to call it. Um, so the only logical way is to do what, what, what Kevin's doing here. So you, you just I mean, want to have best hosting presented for um, whomever is installing WordPress. But there's so much um, money going on in this particular field of WordPress that I think it's very difficult to get politics and money flows and marketing and all of that uh, aligned in the exact same way as what the data is reflecting. Mm. You know, Co 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 sorry, like just, just, sorry, Derek, just, I'll just quickly Go raise these quick couple of comments and then we'll go back. Uh, so Courtney Robertson said Jess is, so I'm presuming she means Jess Frick uh, from Pressable. Jess's uh, update is pinned to the top of the Make WordPress hosting team site. I confess I haven't got that open. Uh, on my page, so I can't really show that. Uh, apologies. If you've got, if there's, do you want to copy and paste what she says in there? I'd be more than welcome to look it up. Um, and she also says, I've shared, uh, Courtney says, I should say, I've shared a proposed way to score hosts based upon criteria Matt mentioned, including contribution to teams. It's in Jess's post. Okay. That's interesting because that's another interesting metric, isn't it? That isn't necessarily data that you can get out of a query on the internet. Um, no. the amount of, the amount of, or that you stuff, yeah, stuff that you can put back would be interesting. And then Peter Ingersoll checking the internet archive way back machine reveals how very little WP hosting, ch hosting page has changed since the very beginning. So I'm okay. guessing you're talking about the one that we were showing that is linked from Google, that first page where it's got Bluehost and, um, ha did have SiteGround and now has DreamHost only. Yeah. Uh, it's been like that for many, many years. Okay. Yes. No, it's just, yeah. Sorry, Derek. I do apologize. Carry no on. Worries. 
Um, I mean, there's a lot, of, you know, right? Because you talked about, you know, the data and how fast servers load, and that's absolutely something that's important. Um, one thing to consider about that page is I think in 10, 12, 15 years, however long I've been doing WordPress, I've hit that page twice, you know, actually looking for it for anything. As a WordPress professional, we don't use that page. The people okay. using that page are going to be people who are just starting into WordPress, maybe considering to make a website on their own using WordPress. And one important metric that they care about is customer service. And that's, and the ratings on that, which are going to be more important to those people than how fast, you know, the, you know, microsecond that this server loads faster than this other one. They're not even going to understand any of that stuff. Yep, and, that's very um, and, and so customer service is something that's hard to just put into data, uh, for the people that will actually be using that page. Um, and how do we rank? a web host based on customer service and how they can help new people to who are just getting started with WordPress, people who are good at helping them through the, oh, when you install this plugin and, you know, you do this and so saying, oh, that's the plugin, you need to go contact them. But they actually help you with WordPress to get people on board to help improve the WordPress reputation because there's going to be a lot of people who are going to hit and run into technical issues. And the yep. first thing they're going to, the only point of contact they have is their web host. So they go there and then the web host says, oh, we don't deal with this. And then they're going to be lost in this hole. So it can be a big factor in how people perceive WordPress is who they recommend on this thing. And I, you know, <laughs> and, and their overall experience with what is WordPress, because we get, you know, doing plugin support. There's a lot of people who, uh, who assume something like, uh, you know, Elementor is WordPress. You know, they think oh. that their theme, the theme that they bought off um, Code Canyon is WordPress itself. So there's going to be a lot of confusion that they're going to think Bluehost is WordPress. Um, so this is a really important thing, but how we rate it is not just technical data. It is their experience. Their, their host is the first real company that someone may use and interact with in their experience in the WordPress space. But that's I also a that's lot a, Sorry, Tim. Yeah, I was going to say that's it's a lot harder to actually measure because. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not giving a solution. I'm just saying that it's something to consider. It, and that's a very very valid point uh, that you mentioned. Uh, it is something that should be considered, but it's also something very difficult to do because uh, I think we've all known uh, the clients or um, <laughs> the, the type of client that complains more beyond reason. Uh, and if we were to use some sort of validation system, that's ultimately the best way to, to look at it. The amount of support requests versus how many are five stars, four stars, you know, that should be a metric, but it's also quite easy to manipulate. It's, it, it becomes very, very difficult. So, um, I don't think we're ever going to see a solution where everybody is happy with, um, all the things added to the metrics of why we recommend this host over that host. So what Courtney added is a good contribution as well. So actual yeah. contribution to yeah. the project of WordPress is worth something as well. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult. I mean, yeah, I, I think the I think the challenge in contributions to WordPress is a little bit, you, ha you have to consider, uh, you know, some thoughts, I'm trying to think how to, where to start this, but um, there's a lot of companies that, you know, when you get a company contributing to WordPress, they have a very business reason for contributing. 
and may not be what's best for the community. So when you make yep, that an yep. incentive, a bus- you know, a business is doing, oh, I'm doing this for my business, not what's best for WordPress. I think maybe another one that I just thought of off the top of the head is how much do they contribute in the support forums? <laughs> Again, going back to being, um, you know, how helpful are they with people getting started with WordPress since that is their first touch point uh, with a company that rep- can, you know, roundabout way represents what it means to be involved in WordPress. Um, that could be another way. I'm just came off that thought in my head just now. That I think option. I think yeah. they're all really good ideas. The, the difficulty is in the detail, isn't it? I've yeah. come up with a solution though. I've just registered whilst we've been talking. I've registered the domain name a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a a hosting dot com. I recommend it's listed alphabetically. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will. I will register a, a site that starts with a, a hyphen. Then. Oh. <laughs> well, that was a waste of ten dollars. I shouldn't have said anything. Uh, I, 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 I do don't. think that piece is really interesting now about the community. And I'm sorry, Paul. I interrupted. That's all right. Sorry, I was interrupting you. Um, I. I don't know whether there should be any recommended hosting. Oh, like, I mean, yeah. Just, just don't do it. Like, just do a page that talks about what hosting is and tell people how to go and find it and the kind of things that they want to look for in a host and let them go and find it. And then you ignore this subject completely. Doesn't you know, that's either. really interesting. If you, if you laid out on that page a bunch of really objectively useful things um, that are required in terms of performance and all of that, and you left the community piece to one side, just left it to one side, and then you could find a page on each vendor's website, each host website that kind of answered those questions. That might be quite useful. Um, yeah. Any other way, you're just going to find a way to game the system. It's like sponsored ads yeah. on Google, isn't it? It's like the recommendation, even if they were just really honest and went, do you know what? They paid a million quid to be here. Like you'd understand it. It's a sponsorship, but you know, to, to have an opaque recommendation system that you'll never satisfy. Um, just, just ain't going to work. There's an interesting piece from Peter who says there are some hosting companies that have contributed so much to the WordPress community that they must be considered even if their numbers aren't at the top. So yeah, that's probably true. I think what we're, what we're all deciding at some, in some way, shape or form that is contributing in some way to the project would be a good metric should that page stay live but again the mm. devil is in the detail that would be extremely I mean, hard to quantify I, I i i absolutely understand what you're saying paul and i had the same thought um but i'm also like i kind of am okay with I, I want them to make some money because i want them to pay more people to be part of the plugin review team i want them to you know i want you know certain things to be there and if if something like that funds it okay <laughs> you know but does it? Uh, does if, it? If, I, if it? I knew yeah. that it was funded, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we don't know, do we? Transparency. <laughs> and we come back to the very first beginning question that we had about yeah. the transparency of the whole page. So, um, but yeah, so I'm not against monetizing it, but I also agree that's also mm-hmm. another very viable solution. It's just let community deal with it somewhere else. Um, whether I mean, uh, like web host, what was it? Webhostingtalk.com was a forum that you know it's about all that kind of stuff and. Um, you know, third party site that you could, you know, refer people to something like that, you know, and let them do their own I, research. But, but then that I could also the be overwhelming for, for new people as well. Yeah. I think the problem for me is, is that second link. And when Nathan did that search in Google and you look at 
WP Beginners intro article. It says Bluehost is officially recommended by WordPress. And I think that's, that's challenging. Um, that's what you see. Um, and I think if we don't know why, it says there, one of the official WordPress recommended hosting provider. Oh, I see the choice of the words. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. officially recommended. Okay. Yeah. And that, really... that, in, that infers a level of authority, um, yeah. that, that convinces people when they just read. Yeah. That. It's, not, it's not the first result, second result, right? But it's, it's implicit in there that you should go with them because they are officially recommended. Um, so what I've now done is I've gone out and I've bought hyphen, 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 hosting.com. I'll just get an emoji domain then. Why I got a, oh, okay. He's always got the answer, hasn't he? There's always a, there's always a better way. Is there a hosting subdomain, a top level domain? TLD. Is that oh. hosting? Uh, there's no. the site, isn't there? Or, I don't or, know if there's, there's hosting. Or hosting. Site and page you can get. Right. Okay. But I don't think there's... Can you imagine how quickly all of the good ones would go for and how quick, how much <laughs> money would change hands for, I don't know, WordPress.hosting? Yeah. Yeah. That'd right. be interesting. Okay. Thank you. That was, a, again, a really interesting conversation. Here's one that... Um, it's a community-based story. We'll just... Just tap into this quickly because it's it's a difficult one. Uh, Jill Binder on the 13th of July uh, wrote a piece on make.wordpress.org. By the way, anything that we mention in the show today, I will put into the show notes that go with this show. Like I said at the beginning, if you subscribe, you'll get the show notes. There'll just be a bunch of links, really, a bunch of interesting stuff from this week. Um, And this is a bit of a primer for Jill's thoughts on... Uh, how how it is that when you create a speaker list or you have a, have a process for selecting speakers for a WordPress event, I guess WordCamp is what's in the the title, so we'll go with that WordCamp. Uh, how you might do that, and she lays out a bunch of different criteria. You know, what are the problems that we might face? And the enterprise, excuse me, as far as she sees it, is to get an interesting mix uh, of topics. That's a bit of a given. Uh, topics and speakers that will draw attention in order to generate ticket sales. Yes, I guess that's true. Percentage of local speakers. We were talking about local sites a minute ago, local speakers. Uh, a ratio of male, female, non-binary, or the gender. Demographics of the reason that your, um, that your event is taking place in. Balance of fresh new voices versus, versus seasoned speakers. And I'd like to speak to that bit in a minute because I think that mm-hmm. one's really interesting. And then reflective of your WordCamp's audience, uh, in other words, in, especially in the new way that WordCamps are going to be done, there seems to be a focus on m- more one topic p- potentially for one uh, event, L- lots of smaller events devoted to one particular thing. So, you know, are you talking to developers, designers, implementers? Um, are you going to have a particular language focus and so on and so forth? So there's all of that suggestions of how you might do that, including an appraisal of whether a blind process is a good thing to do. Jill, I think, comes down on the fact that a blind process is a good thing to do if done with other things. 
Um, and so then she puts forward some possible ways of making that speaker process happen. So there's that article. Again, I'll link to it. But I thought that was interesting, that piece there about um, not necessarily always choosing the same faces. And I guess, I guess it's true in WordPress, much like it's true anywhere else. There are, there are some people who have, what's the right word for it? They have notoriety. Uh, they have fame. And I do wonder if in the speaker process, obviously Jill's considering it because she's written it as one of her top seven or nine items, whatever it was. If um, if that then pushes out people who perhaps, you know, first timers, if they don't have the clout, I've definitely been to WordPress events where there's been people and I've thought, yeah, you know, such and such is speaking. That's very exciting. I've heard about them. I've seen their YouTube videos and so on. So anyway, there's that piece. I don't know if anybody wants to touch this one or that particular topic. Should we should we thinking about, you know, new faces as opposed to getting the I think she said something along the lines of, you know, the same people over and over again because of their, you know, notoriety and so on. So I'll, I'll offer that one up if anybody wants to speak to it. Can be a difficult one, this, can't it? So it might not be one that I think, I think it's a good mix, actually. Yep. You both want the people that are known and known to give good presentations or discuss difficult topics and know how to explain um, the thing that needs to be explained. Uh, but you also want the new ones. You also want to open up as much as possible for anybody uh, entering your community. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it, it, you know, as a, as a lot of difficult things uh, have uh, tend to have one and the same answer and that it, it, it depends. It depends on what your goal is. It depends on how deep you want the topic to go. It depends on the crowd that you're surfacing. It depends on the actual people submitting a talk. Um, there's also that. Um, I know that for, for, for WordCamp Netherlands, um, uh, though I have been part of WordCamp Europe for a very long time, uh, from the very first one to the previous one, I've only been in the selection process for probably the first three or four. Uh, but WordCamp Netherlands, I've always been part of it somehow. And it's always balancing between what we have available, what we would like to see, uh, topics we would like to promote, um, and that is for this year's edition, which is in September. Uh, we still have tickets, by the way, should really come. Um, is no different. Um, I think we found a good mix, um, but I'm sure there's people looking at the mix and go like, yeah, it's not how I think the mix should be. That's always going to be the case, especially right. now. Um, if, if you look at the post Jill published, it, it's, a, it's a long uh, uh, list of varieties you have to take into account and given that we're all doing this uh on the side doing our best um working with what we've got inviting as much as we can um like we've actively reached out to folks we wanted to see this year and we've we we were happy to say that the ones we wanted to have we we were able to convince them but it's a it's it's a challenge it's difficult it's just uh, I think you said that right when you said if I, if anybody wants to touch this topic, it's difficult. Yeah, it is. It really is difficult, and but obviously, it's the, never was... going to be perfect. You're no. always going to see somebody complaining about some part of the process or the output, which ultimately then go makes you go like, "Why the hell am I even doing this? I'm trying to help here. I'm trying to do my best." Am I biased? Of course I'm biased, but that's why we have a team. Is the team biased? Of course the team is biased, but that's because we, you know, they, 
where does it end? Where does it stop? It's 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 very difficult. The and the I guess a lot of criteria suggested. Uh, and if you've got an event where let's say I don't know you've got twenty slots available, um, it makes it hard, doesn't it, to 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 produce something which is perfect in every respect. Yeah. Um, over that small number of slots, I guess the bigger your event becomes, the more opportunity you have. So I, to fill I, I will say this: for for WordCamp US, WordCamp Europe, WordCamp Asia, um, having some part of the process being blind, I think, is a good thing. Yeah, um, but some other parts should not be blind. Yeah, I think Jill in this article she meant she talks about she, she points to the drawbacks of doing blind. Hmm. Be, and I um, and I think one of them was your your capacity or your uh, you know your familiarity. Let's say that um, your familiarity with the the English language. Say if you're if that's your first language and you you are you know really comfortable with writing uh, speeches and you've done presentations before. You're probably going to come up with a nice catchy title which catches yep. people's attention. Uh, so that's one thing. But also um, but also that then needs to be taken into account in a different way. So if you did it blind and those things came out as, oh, that's really good, and then you did another non-blind, something equivalent, but maybe for a different criteria, and then you match the results with the blind one and the not blind one and you see where the matches are, then maybe yeah. maybe that's the way forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends. Paul? Derek? I, yeah, I, I think the... The hardest thing that I found, I've applied to uh, talk at WordCamp EU and WordCamp US, and I got selected for WordCamp EU also, which was nice. Haven't done for, for WordCamp this US this year. I think the the thing that's missing sometimes is what they're looking for. And that theme, I think, not necessarily, you, you're basically throwing yourself into the void and not knowing, you know, whether it's, it's on topic or not. Um, and I think that's a, that's just a little bit hard. I think um, if they went, well, actually, this year, you know, there's a broad dominant theme of X, but we're doing other stuff as well. But you know, this is this is where we want to do it. And I know that's been talked about for different work camps. I think that might help generate people to talk about those things rather than sort of randomly throwing things into the void. I don't. I've never run an event like that. I don't. I, it must be incredibly hard to sift through all those things and try and work out what will work, what won't work, who's a good speaker, who's not a good speaker. Does it matter if they're not a good speaker? You know, is it an interesting yeah. subject? Who's going to find it interesting? You know, I I wouldn't know where to start. I genuinely wouldn't. I'd probably throw it all up in the air and just pick the first 20 up and just go with that because that seems like as reasonable approach as anything else, I think. Stick it in a database um, and do a random function on it. <laughs> yeah, random answer. <laughs> But like uh, we, I didn't say it's that. Really, <laughs> it's really like I I don't expect I can I can write quite well actually I think so I'm probably quite persuasive in what I'm doing um, and I've got loads of white privilege and stuff like that and I don't want to be that person that takes somebody else's spot really but I think I think it's it's really hard yeah I'd love to speak more but you know I'd also don't want to feel guilty about taking somebody else's place. Um, well, I'm going to be doing an episode with Jill and Birgit Olsen, um about this uh, in the near future. So that'll air soon and obviously we'll get a chance to hear what their yeah. criteria are and they'll probably flesh out what it is that Sarah's mentioned in this article. Derek, I don't know if you had anything on that. No, uh, more of a, I've never been anywhere close to it. I've only attended 
you know, a WordCamp Denver five or six years ago, one time. So WordCamp US will be my first one that I go to this year. So um, I don't even know what is beneficial to me as just a, you know, attendee um, to even have a comment of how to find a good speaker, to be honest. So yeah. um, I think, you know, my experience with WordCamp when I was so long ago was, um, yeah, it just as Yes, choosing speakers. Yeah, I don't have anything to speak about. I, I was going to go into what makes a good WordCamp in general, not specifically WordCamp uh, speakers. So, um, yeah, I reckon I, Cameron's it, nailed it there, though. Look, I reckon people have yeah. appeared on the WP Builds New Show <laughs> for preferential treatment. Nice. I don't know why you don't do a live podcast at WordCamp, like on stage. Do you see that at other events, right? They do live podcasts. Podcasters. A lot yeah, of I've never really thought that. about that. I, I, well, there's also, you're not really, so... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I haven't an answer to that. I <laughs> uh, should. I don't know that anybody would want to uh, want to see that. But you, typically, the, um, the the rooms that you get, they're a little bit sort of tucked away, and so it's not really in the the main auditorium. No, a podcast on stage would definitely work. But I, I didn't think that was allowed because it was. Well, have you have you submitted a, a, a presentation like that? Because it's just a format. <laughs> No, no, no. I honestly thought that um, that it would be self-promotional, if you know what I mean. Yeah, of course it, it is. But every, every every single person speaking at a word in one way or another is self-promotional. Like I don't mm. care how much you're giving, you're also there self-promoting in one way or another, whether that's intentional or not. But you are. So might as well okay. factor that in. You never know. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, it won't be at WordCamp US, though. I did actually get a ticket to WordCamp US, but I realized that it collided really quite a lot with school holidays here in the UK. Mm -hmm. So I, I shall shall not be going, Derek. Sadly, we won't be meeting up in person. Are you going, Remkes? Still uh, having the same issue as you. So um, yeah. I still have the ticket. I might end up making it, but I also very likely am not going to make yeah. it. Yeah. I just, I just pulled the plug about a week ago and thought, no, if I there was a perfect it. collision of calendar openness on that yep. exact week. So, you know, yep. it was like, it would be bad for the family if I went. So I decided not to do it. But I if wholeheartedly I agree with minute. Cameron. Sorry, say again. Uh, if I can find a great last minute, like literally if, if I can make it on time in versus back from my vacation and find a great, then I might do a hop over. But nice. Well, you never know. And Paul, you said you are going. Yeah, in I am going. Yeah. Right. Yep. I am. Uh, so Courtney addressing the topic that we had just a moment ago, she said, Matt mentioned in the make WP hosting channel, some criteria such as contributing, uh, my proposal scoring reflects how to quantify the hard stuff. Courtney, we must get you on so that you can explain what your thoughts are on this. That would be most excellent. Thank you for that. Okay. Let me move us on somewhat. I don't know how long I want to dwell on this because I'm not sure really what to say about it. And it's this story. A little while ago when WordPress 4.9 came along in anticipation of the, the move to 5.0 when Gutenberg opened uh, and all of that, there was a fork of the WordPress project to something called Classic Press. And it, it there was quite a lot of media attention around it at the time. We covered it quite a lot because who knew how that would go? It might have been that, you know, they took 50% of the WordPress audience with them. It, it kind of hasn't turned out that way. 
certainly my experience. Well, I just don't know anybody who has uh, who has gone with Classic Press and using it as their daily driver. Everybody that I know is, you know, keen on exploring all the latest and greatest that WordPress can do. And if they're not using it directly, they're still at least curious about it. But Classic Press uh, carries on regardless. And they've decided that in order to be up to date, they're going to have to uh, fork WooCommerce so that they can make it work with Classic Press. But obviously, as more and more time goes between WordPress 4.9 and now, the more difficult it is going to be. And I, I don't know, I hate to say this, in, it's going to feel a bit ridiculous, but there's something I feel a little bit sad about this in a way, because I do feel it must be hard to put the pr time into a project like this that you know it would require, knowing that the audience is potentially not there in the way that you once hoped it would be. I don't know if I'm quite summing up my thoughts on it, but it, I hope you understand what I'm meaning. Anyway, that's a thing. That's the story. If you're using Classic Press, you'll probably be delighted but I, I don't know anybody that is using it. So I'll just hand it over, see if anybody's got anything. I, I tweeted about this. I said, uh, I get forking software to enhance and propel it into the future, but I'm lost when it comes to forking because of opposite reasons. What did but you I mean? What do I mean with what? No, the, the opposite reasons. What was that? Opposite reasons is uh, it, you don't like where it's going, so you want to stick with what is then the uh, status quo. So you're, you're sticking with something that's going to inherently be old. Um, and the, 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 when they said that my first thought at the time was, okay, so if you're doing this, you're, you're ramping yourself up to having to fork every single thing that's important inside of WordPress, uh, in terms of plugins as well. And this is exactly where we are. So I think it's foolish. I think it's a waste of time and energy. I'd rather work on something that is uh, future forward thinking and not staying Remember the sentiment when the very first version came out and everybody was like, oh, I hate the block editor. It's worse. It sucks. Yeah, it's, that, that was why it was interesting because you didn't know if that groundswell was going to go that way. Right, right. Right. So everybody hate, well, not everybody, but a lot of folks hated on it. Um, and I know page builders still depend on the classic editor being there. But I, I still, and I get it from that perspective. I just don't understand the a desire to stick with something that's just not... Wasn't great to begin with. Wasn't flexible. Yeah, the part that I don't get is I, you know, just a couple of weeks ago edited a client site that's ten years old, running WordPress six point two point two. It's doing just fine. I don't would I don't need to switch to Classic Press. A site yeah. that I built ten years ago, the same theme that I haven't touched in ten years, is still running on WordPress six point two. There, I don't see a need for it. And I, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. If you really so, want to stick to that old way of doing it, you know, as you heard me, I established, I still like that kind of more, a little more classic way to do it, but I still run the most modern version of WordPress Yeah, because you know, there's, there's no need. You can still do that type of site with modern WordPress. So it, and the block editor, the more I've used it, I actually appreciate it and it's nice. And it, it is, it, it doesn't make sense to me either. I, t I see it as a perfect example of what the core philosophy of WordPress is, right? If, if you want to have something that is not part of the current WordPress trajectory, build a plugin and make it so that it does what it actually needs to do for you. 
And I think Classic Press for me is exactly what that is. It should have been a plugin. Have them take over the the the, the future of uh, of the classic yeah. editor. Well, from there, that plugin that switched it back to using the classic yeah. editor that was yeah. really popular for a while. What more yeah. did they want out of that? I, I'm not yeah. sure what more they were hoping to get out of it. We used to have this society, this sort of tech society where I live, and it was basically just a bunch of people showing up on a Thursday night once a month to to just have a natter. It was really lovely, but it it just it. You know, after after running it for years, we lost popularity, and and it was it felt a little bit like that. You'd, you'd go each week hoping that more and more people would show up, and actually, the reality was it was the other way. Less and less people showed up, and yet there was a core bunch of people who'd begun it all and were very committed to it, and they kept going until eventually, you know, everybody in that scenario had to just call it a day. And so that's the sort of feeling I have around this. I, you know, I, I don't wish them well. Dreads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wish anybody on well, but I, I, I worry that you'll be able to keep that going. And obviously at some point, uh, there is some kind of responsibility, I presume, to forewarn people if you're not going to keep developing it, because those people who are using it will need to be mindful of moving it over or going to a different platform or whatever it may be. So, um, so not long ago, they had trouble finding. Yeah, it wasn't um, a lot. Either contributors or, or funds or, or yep. something. Yeah. You know, just move on. Yeah. It, well, I think it was funds and it wasn't a lot of funds. If memory serves, it was not a lot. Yeah. I yep. thought you were talking about Twitter just then, Nathan. <laughs> it's not Twitter. There is no not such thing as same. Twitter anymore. What there is, is a letter ten. of the alphabet. Yeah. Oh, it's ten. Ten. It means ten. 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 Well, so so everywhere that I... Let's just segue on that, because why not? Um, <laughs> everywhere I've gone this week that's talked about that story, they always end it with, did you know that Apple and Mark Zuckerberg have basically copyrighted the letter X up the wazoo? I don't know why... Microsoft Mark Zuckerberg won. has done that, but I can understand why Apple did it, you know, because mm. Mac OS X and all that. Mm. So we're amazing. Yeah, but probably for all for slightly different things. I think the devil's in the oh, detail with people right. spreading that kind of news. It's like, well, Microsoft patents it something completely different. Um, or trademarked it for something completely different. Um, and just, just, just slightly on the classic breast thing, though, I think there's other CMSs out there that work in the way that you they want WordPress to work. So something like Craft CMS or yeah. Satamic, Laravel, like Satamic's a great CMS, right? Flat file CMS, you've got Gatsby, you've got all sorts of things that you could use. I don't really see the point in continuing to most try and retain. It's, it's like trying to keep your girlfriend when she wants to split up with you and go somewhere else, isn't it? Like, please stay with me. Please stay with me. Um, yeah. I'll do anything. Yeah. By the way, you said that word twice, and both times I heard the words satanic CMS. I probably just said it right. Wow. What even is that? Statamic. Yeah. It was just my parsing of the word. It was too close to the word satanic. That's we look for we look for episode titles within the stuff that we've all said. That could well be it. This is Say confirmation again. bias. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm saying nothing. Uh, you know, that's a, pent that's a pentagram. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 
Uh, right. Okay, let's move on. Let's get back into the WordPress ecosystem. Okay, this one. We've got a very short amount of time, so we'll just race through a couple of these. Uh, this is to say that if you've never tried this, I do not even understand. This is total voodoo. I'm convinced there's a little man in my browser moving cogs around and things because how does this even happen? You can now, well, you have been for a while. You've been able to go to the WordPress playground and play on the swings. No, you've been able to make WordPress come to life within your browser. You don't need to hook it up to any hosting. All of it is handled with an SQL-like browser. It all happens uh, inside your browser, as I've said. And I'm just going to click this button, and maybe we can count to 10. So this is playground.wordpress.net. Here we go. Click the button, and it's beginning life. It's bringing itself to life inside my browser. And there it is. We have a WordPress, an actual WordPress website. Look, we got a dashboard. We've got pages, we've got media. Well, we don't, but, you know, we don't have any posts, but you get the point. Um, and so this is now a thing. And I'm hearing more and more about this. Lots of people saying this is such a fabulous way to, to experiment. If you just want to try out a plugin, you could just whip this up, playground.wordpress.net, install the plugin, run it, give it a go, bin it. All you need to do is click refresh in the browser and you're back to an absolute fresh install. So it's pretty transformational, but obviously it may be a little bit confusing for people. Well, if I spend time on it, will it just disappear? What if I want to back it up? What if I'm satisfied with something that I did and I want to keep a copy of it somewhere? How can I transfer that into another different environment and so on? And so this is just to say that a video, a 10 minute video has been made, which will explain how all of that happens. So especially for novices, people who aren't familiar with whipping up an install, don't have hosting, I don't know, you just want to try something right now, then this is totally possible. Again, the the, the, the magic, the devil in the detail, I don't really understand, but uh, I'm sure it's terribly clever. So yeah, there we go. I don't know if anybody wants to contribute to that. I mean, it has a bright future no. ahead of mm. Yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. seen, you know, a couple private companies coming up that do something very similar to create, create those. Um, I found very helpful and effective for doing, um, just testing my plugin and roughing support. Just be like, does it actually do this on this client's or this customer's site? It does this. Um, let me test with, you know, quickly isolate this one plugin, upload it real quick and test it in a environment where their one plugin is enabled. It's a lot quicker to do that than disable the 50 other plugins that they have and stuff like that. So uh, it's a great way to do that type thing. Uh, so it's, it's a very useful tool to test and play with things. Yeah. Oh, so I see what you're doing. So Paul has dropped a, uh, sorry, Paul, for some reason, if I try and copy that link and shove it over into uh, the browser that we're all looking at, the, the link gets corrupted in some way. Right. I, I haven't really worked that out. So, but Paul's just sent me a link through with a query strung on the end, which is query plugin equals WP hyphen DXP, which is your um, plugin for personalization. And mm. I'm guessing what you're saying is if you just use that query string on the end, it'll suck in the repository plugin as it's creating that install. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. One of our devs huh. sent it to me the other day and was like, oh, here you go. Um, and it just, it, it, it runs WordPress and it stores the plugin and it's ready to use just as a single. It very much in the same way as Insta WP does. 
um, when you use like an instant WP template, which is yeah. you know similar similar process. Okay, um, I managed to get the I managed to get the link to come across now. So here we are. We haven't done it. So there's the there's the little query string on the end. So it's your plugin. Hopefully we got the the string right. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So it, it did the download, and now it's downloading WP DXP. Clearly, you're adding a tiny little bit more time to the whole thing. Let's go and have a look at the dashboard. Let's have a look at plugins. Sure enough, look, there it is. Yep. So this is a great way to share, I don't know, a plugin with somebody if you want to just sort of get them to test it out. I'm wondering if you can mm -hmm. add additional query strings to just plugins. I wonder if you can do the same with themes and variety well, you might be able of to add multiple plugins as well. There's, there's an yeah. API. I'm sure we can come yep. to take a look at that, but the plugin is working. Nice. And, uh, anyway, yeah, um, so demo. All sorts of things, you know, yeah. try stuff out, support. Bam. Uh, so anyway, it's there, it's live. If you want to play with it, it's good to go. Right, a couple of quick things. Firstly, I did a podcast episode with um, Julia uh, Laco, um, all about typography. Honestly, honestly, like I'm not just saying this. If, if you don't really think about typography a lot, please listen. She does. It was actually eye-opening. I learned loads of new words, um, ligatures and, and armatures. and all, I think it was armature. I've actually forgotten what that word is. But li little things about how certain, the, the way that the letter is formed can make it really almost unreadable to people. I mean, I knew about line height and letter spacing, but she gets right into the detail of the actual curvature of the font and the little gap. If you've got a lowercase e, that little tiny gap between the horizontal line and the curve at the bottom of the E, there's a name for that gap. And if that gap's too small, people see it as an O. Anyway, anyway, I'm really going off on one, but it was really interesting. Episode 85 of the WP Tavern podcast. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if anybody's got anything to say. We've got two minutes left, so I'll just race on if that's all right. Yep. Remkus looks like he's poised. He's muted. Is he muted for you? Yeah. Refresh, Rim, because it's this platform. Something quirky's going on. We'll have you back in just a moment. Oh, he's back. He was he back. back then? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I didn't touch anything. What's that all about? No, no. I was going to say, I love typography, and I love the little details that make up the understanding of what we're actually looking at. It's, it's yeah. It, honestly, I there was so much in there that I genuinely, not only didn't understand, but I just never even heard of. So it was really refreshing. So it's about 40 minutes or so. It's well worth a listen. It might open your eyes in, in some regards. If you like icons, I suppose this is slightly related. Uh, I came across this this week. It was a tweet somewhere or something. It's called Icon Body, iconbody.app. Um, all of the icon libraries are searchable. You, you pick your icon library down the side here. So, you know, we're all familiar with dash icons and things like that. You can find all the dash icons. There they are. And there's 180,000. So... You know, should you be thoroughly bored this week, you could probably look at them all one at a time um, <laughs> and you'd have a great time. So there's that, dasheicon.app. Uh, JetBrains have released a new code quality platform called uh, Pronounceable Quodana. I don't know how to say that word. Quodana, Quodana. You can check that out. And we were going to do a piece all about uh, this chap who was one of the founders of AI and how terrified he is of it. But in all honesty, I think we've run out of time. So we maybe push that to next week. That's it. I haven't got anything to add. Are we done? Thank you, guys.
Yeah, you're Thank welcome. you very much. No, no, Derek, I'm sorry. Before you go, this oh, he thinks he's getting out of here. Oh, <laughs> you're good. No, 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 no. The hot no there's one thing we've got to do. First of all, I'm just going to turn my little light off a little bit. We do this really humiliating hand wave, right? Every week so that I can put it uh, onto the onto the screen thing. And I've, what I've noticed, right, is if you get your hands <laughs> really, really... What did he do? What I did didn't. He do? If you put your hands really close like that. Come on, come on, Paul. Can I persuade him? Yes. Look, we've got everybody. God. <laughs> he's given us all... He's given us the Vulcan, the Vulcan gesture, whatever that one is. Thank you. There's plenty there. We will be back next week. Thank you so much to those people who made the effort to come into the chat. Cameron, Max, Peter, Rob, Courtney, Darren, and a bunch of others. Really appreciate it. Oh, actually, we won't be back next week because I'm going to be on holiday. So, you know, that's that's nice for me, isn't it? <laughs> 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 but that's it. Yeah, I know. Lucky me. But that's it for this week. We will be back next week. You guys, there'll be a little 10-second thing that'll hit the video now. Just stick around. We'll have a quick chat when we're done. Thanks for watching. Take it easy.